Hey guys, what's up? Matt and Pat here. And in today's episode of Coffees for Closes, we're going to be talking about some of the problems uh, with certain business models like sales recruitment and uh, some of the uh, hiccups that we've had when we've sort of tried to do a little bit of diversification within the sales sniper, sniper media kind of ecosystem. Um, so if you're wondering why it's hard to find good sales reps, or if you're a sales rep wondering how why it's fine to hard good offers, uh, to find good offers, uh, we're going to go through all that in detail today. So make sure you watch all the way through the end, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and uh, send us a comment down below if you want us to cover a subject in particular. If you listen to this podcast, you will make your first million within three years. We're here to make podcasts. You really want this. You listen and review. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Tell me about what grinds your gears. So uh, hang on, stop. Give some context. We were just eating lunch, bullshitting, yeah. and you were trying to tell me a story, and I was like, stop, sir. Stop right now. Stop it. Let's go set up and tell that story to me uh, on the podcast. And we yelled at Budge. Yeah. And get, said, you get Prepare the-, the cameras. Prepare the cameras. There is yeah. bombs to be dropped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we were talking about how at one stage we considered going like as an additional as like a sort of, as a, I don't know if you have vertical or horizontal, uh, having like a, a closer placement recruitment model. Mm-hmm. And and how at Sales Sniper in particular, we, were, we did all the work, we had the demand, and we even sold like the first 10. And it was really easy. Like we sold, I think we were charging like, I don't know, like 12K, I don't remember. And we sold like 10 of them in a week. Okay. It was really easy. Yeah. Um, but the problem was like, those were the 10 good closures that we had that we didn't want to take. Mm. And so then it was like, after that, we had all this demand for it. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're just training people up and stuff like that. And then people would become really good after our training. We're like, well, we'll just keep you. Keep you. Because mm. you're a cool guy and I'd like to keep working with you and we can make money off you in one of our offers. So why would mm. I put you in a different offer? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with the, oh, we're always going to be placing the B team. And it just wasn't like a, it wasn't a leap that we were willing to take. Mm-hmm. It would be different with like, say, SDRs and triagers and stuff like that, because that, um, that talent is easier to cultivate. And, and so like, it would be more of a personality thing that we'd want to keep them than what it would be like. They're a really good uh, SDR. Sure. Cause like we can create those. It's okay. much easier than creating like a really good closer. Okay. Um, how, how are you getting those people? So there are people that just did NAPQ or something like that. And, and you were then recruiting from within that pool of people or uh, you were training them along some other lines? No. So for that one in particular, I just said like, Hey, we're going to do a free four week intensive. Um, and we had like 150 people go, okay, please. Yep. And then the deal was like at the end of this, you're going to be put into a placement pool. If you do this, and I've had in the contracts, if you do this and you're doing this for free training and you won't take an offer at the end, we'll charge you 7K. Okay, fair enough. Right, it was like a, and like I'll hunt you down for it type yep. thing. And on the first day, I said, if anyone is here for that, just fucking beat it now or I'll ruin your life. Mm-hmm. And like 10 people were just like, <laughs> I think I can hear my mom calling me <laughs> like, in the other room. Yeah. yeah, I'm going into a tunnel. Yeah. So uh, it was really, really clear. And then from there, we, we ended up taking on like 20 or 25 of them ourselves. Right, okay. Um, like, because we had the offers and we needed people. And that's the reason why we ran it in the first place. But yeah, and then we were like, well, we got all these people. We can't take them all on. Mm. Like, and we're not going to have people just sitting in like limbo land for seven weeks where we try and find them an offer and then prove it. And it's a whole thing, right? So we were just like, well, we'll just create this like recruitment offer. And we kind of scrambled it together. But it was very comprehensive. And we sold a bunch of them. And it was a really simple sell because like there's such a need for it. 
it's like I can't find a decent sales rep that I know has had some training. Mm. And then it, you know, it came with like some back end support and all that kind of stuff. And so we sold it and then we we're like, okay, these people are all good. And then you run into all these problems with like how vetted is the offer? Mm. Like, so then, then I was like, well, we can't sell people. We can't sell um, anyone into recruitment if their offer hasn't been vetted. Because like, what if they've only got like one marketing channel? Yep. And that marketing channel goes down. Or what if their ad accounts get banned? Or like, then like, all of a sudden we get the closer coming back to us and going like, oh, hey, the marketing shit, I can't make a living here. And then the, they leave. And then the guy comes back to me going, oh, you fucking guy left. It's like, yeah, yeah well, because you haven't got any leads, dude. Because you only... You haven't got a real business. Okay, so let me see if I understand. You hit multiple problem points. In first, you didn't want to give up the best people because yeah. why would you? You yeah. want them selling for you. So you're placing the B team with the added risk that you're telling this person, hey, I'm putting you into, I, I'm putting you here. Here's a job for you, but with no way of knowing whether that job had any sort of lasting <coughs> Uh, ability for them, whether they could really make any money there. You couldn't guarantee them any amount of leads or anything because that was totally out of your hands because yeah. the offer wasn't even something that you had any oversight over. Yeah. So then it's like, how much do we charge for this thing? Because then it's like, do we, like ethically, I felt like we had to kind of tear their business apart to make sure that it was a good fit, mm -hmm. you know? So then it's like, well, what do I charge them? 25K and it, yeah. you know? Right. So then that's a lot of work for you per placing person. If someone just wants one yeah, closer. That's a that's a ton of yeah. investigating, right? And the burden of like delivery is really high because like mm. if that like coaching consulting is a very difficult niche to sell in. Like it's technically demanding. It's a hard sale. So I was like, oh, you know, there's so many variables that can go into like the success of this person, and it's like, are they going to give them the six weeks they need to to kind of juggle it? Or are they going to expect success straight away? Mm. And so there was a lot of variables, and it became very hard ethically for me to want to pursue the business mm. because I felt like it was most of the time it worked out as a lose-lose. Now we only placed about 10 reps uh, and they all went quite well because like we had 10 good reps that we were like, yeah, we're ready to place. And then we had um, like some businesses that we knew really well okay. that like had wanted to come on for sales sniper, but it wasn't right. So we'd had a chance to kind of vet them and do all the things. And we were like, oh yeah, sweet. Like, here you go. And now we do do some placement now, but it's for free. And it's if it's if we fire a sales sniper client. Okay. So whenever we fire a sales sniper client, and it, like it happens probably once a month, we fire somebody because like they just can't get leads. Right. You know, and we work with them for ages, but it's like at some point you gotta go, all right, guys, like we're out. And then usually we just place a rep for free. Right. You know what I mean? But we place like a part time rep. It's like, hey, this person has gone through a system. They're pretty good to go. They'll kind of help you grow. The closer knows what the deal is. Hey, they've got potential, but it's not really working out right now. So as a secondary side project, it's a pretty good yep. thing for you to be on. What would be <coughs> what would be the circumstances that would make one of your guys want to take on that role? Like who what what would their life look like if they're willing to go to someone that's been fired from the main sales sniper client? Uh well we don't place our guys. Oh, okay. So well, you don't carry over who no. they who they had. No. It's like totally we, we have boot camp comes in, that's right. going. And it's like the people who we feel like aren't necessarily a good fit for us, whether it's culturally or whatever, or they're just not ready, we'll put them in there. But like it's a, it's an above board transaction. It's like, sure, hey, sure. here's a guy who's okay. They're not quite up to standard yet, but hey, man, neither are you. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So and you're not charging anything for it. You're giving yeah. it to them. So it's Yeah, it's like, hey, here's, here's a body that can kind of do stuff and, and that kind of knows what they're doing. But like that's what you need right now because if you get someone good, they'll quit straight away. Yeah. 
right? So it's like you need someone who can stay in the saddle long enough to be able to kind of see that this could work. Yeah. They need work, you need work, so it's going to be one of those relationships. And, and that's really just an introduction. That's all you're doing, right? Yeah. You, like, yeah. So it's like, hey, you two go do whatever you do together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go to, like go and do your thing, everyone's happy. So, like, that's how we do that because we want to have a really good relationship with any of our clients even after we stop working with them. Mm -hmm. So we have a good name in the business. So we get referrals and people that we fire. Because, like, if they've been fired by us, like, they have to know it's coming. Like, I mean, we've given them warning after warning, and we usually give them a date. It's like, hey, by this date, you have to have this many calls in the diary. If you don't have it, then we have to exit. Mm -hmm. Have you had people uh, that you fired then come back, say, hey, we fixed the problem, we're Uh, ready to roll again? Yes, that definitely happens. But, like, I would vet them very scrupulous again yeah yeah because like who knows if it's true yeah we had one random guy that we signed up and it all looked pretty good and then they just kind of ghosted us for like two months they fully just ghosted us and then they came back like a week ago saying oh we had a bunch of problems we fixed them all now we got a ton of calls and so we were like okay send us over all your call recordings and all your data and we'll prove that that's true okay (laughs) you know paid their twenty five thousand dollar joining fee and the whole and just didn't respond to a thing yeah, right. Yeah, they were in the crypto space, though, so I wasn't okay. surprised. I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They're probably doing They're in some, recovery mode. They're probably doing some serious pivots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, the, the recruitment thing was really difficult. Like, it was uh, – I just felt like it's a – in the coaching consulting space, in like, in particular, I just don't see how – it's very difficult to do ethically, mm. you know, um, especially if you yourself have a sales team. Yeah. Without naming anyone – who yeah. does that, and how does it pan out? Uh, well, like a, there's a there's a few different models like that are out there. One is like just charge a bunch of money for a sales rep. You know, at one stage people were charging eighteen to twenty thousand dollars to place a sales rep. Wow. You know, and that came with like some back end portal support and stuff like that. But that was like the going rate for a bit, which is very expensive. Not in like recruitment terms, because like in recruitment terms, you usually pay thirty percent of someone's salary. Mm-hmm. That's like a like in the recruitment industry, that's a pretty stock standard fee. Is there an ongoing fee for that? Like you know, like if they would stay for five years, you're paying for that period or um in like actual recruitment, like real recruitment companies, there is stuff like that. Um, but like in coaching and consulting recruitment, it's like, Hey, you're the dude. Fucking, okay. You know, go for it, champ. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a rogue unit. Um, I'm getting the, that vibe from a lot of the coaching consulting stuff. Like, uh, I see the level of heavy vetting that happens, um, to get people even to be sales sniper clients, um, but yeah. the amount of things, cause I know we've talked about it, but I'm in the funnels now, right? Because like I am, you know, I'm, I'm watching a lot of the ads and all the shit to make more ads and I'm in, you know, so I'm in their recruiting funnels Yeah. and some of the shit I see, I'm just like, what, what are you, who are you to tell me any of this? You're a 22 year old kid. Well, that's, that's the thing, right? The youth of the industry is a real problem. Mm. So you've got like the leaders of the industry are 30. Yeah. So, man, like that's just not the right. Yeah, you got like Tony Robbins, but Tony Robbins is like, he's late 60s. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you've, so you've got a couple like Dan, Dean Graziosi's and Cardone's mm-hmm. are kind of like the godfathers of the industry. Mm-hmm. There's like a huge chasm. Like those guys were so dominant for so long that there was kind of no one that could keep up. Right. And now you've got this like with COVID, you've got this reinvigoration of the online education space. And you, the only way you can be successful is to be innovative in technology. Mm-hmm like with your marketing and your sales and your how you deliver your products and stuff like that, which has bent itself towards young people. Mm-hmm. Um, so all your leaders in the space are like 26-year-olds or 22-year-olds that are making six figures a month and like not shy about it. Mm. Um, 
And that's one of the ways that you get clients. So I don't have any problem with that. The problem is that like they're not equipped to run the businesses that they're running. Sure. So it's not business coaching. It's just sales and marketing coaching with this coat on of like, I'll teach you how to scale your business. But they have no fucking clue how to scale a business because they've never run a business. Mm. Like, you know, I was, I was talking to two of our, like our, so like one of our clients we've recently, re, like we doubled their business in like a month. So I sat down with them. They're all 22, great guys, run a great business. And I was like, okay, boys, I see what's happening. And I was like, I need to ask you a few questions. Yeah. And what was, color jet skis are you going to buy? Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, uh, what's your gross and your net margin? Yeah. They're like, uh. And then I was like, okay, like, how much are you putting away for tax? Uh. I was like, how many bank accounts do you have? We have one. I was like, cool. Are you set up as a, like, what kind of company formation do you have? They were like, uh. And I was like, okay, who's your bookkeeper? Like, uh. And I was like, who's your accountant? Uh. And I was like, what insurances do you have? Uh. And I was like, okay. Have you ever done business coaching? They're like, yeah, we done like like sixty grand last year in like three different courses from all this person, this big names industry. Mm-hmm. I was like, no one has ever taught you business. I'm gonna sit you down for the next twelve weeks. You're gonna pay me a bunch of money, right? But it's mm-hmm. fair. And I was like, I'm gonna take this into a real business because where you're heading, like you're at multiple six figures a month now, that's only gonna ramp up because yeah. we're in control of the front end of your business and we, we we can ramp it up for days. But like I was like, the administration of this thing will fall apart. Mm. And like your tax burdens will be enormous if you're set up the wrong way. There's and like if somebody fucking sues you right now, you're both fucked. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of things that need to happen from a business perspective to scale this business because scale is growth without extra work. Okay. That's really what it is. Right. So all of your systems and processes and back end have to be in a really good spot. You know, mm-hmm. like we haven't scaled yet. We've grown. Okay. You know, because we've had to work really, 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 really hard to get to the position that we're in. And now we're in like this heavy infrastructuring phase yep. to set up for scale. So like the goal is that in a couple months, like we're in a position in all the companies to where we can like triple the revenue and not have to do any more work. Right. Right. We, we might have more sales reps. We might make more sales, make more expensive sales and have more clients, but it shouldn't be more work because mm-hmm. everything is systemized well. Um. And so, like, these business coaches are running around, and, like, they don't have a fucking clue how to read a P&L. Yeah. And they're teaching people how to grow and scale a business. And it's just, like, it's the whole wrong thing. It's the biggest myth or fuck-up in the industry is, like, that these people are business coaches. And they're just not. They're just sales and marketing coaches. Okay. And some of them might be extraordinarily business-savvy. They just... That's not what they're teaching. They just can't be fucked teaching it. Yeah. You know, like, I'm assuming some of them are fucking all over it. Like, I feel, I feel like Alex Ramosi is pretty on top of business structures considering he has an acquisition company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, he would probably know that. And his inner circle clients, I'm sure, are being taught some of this. Yeah. Right? Um, but, it, but it is kind of a real problem that there's none of that going on. So you get a lot of, like, these shells, and they're just sort of like, uh, they're just, like, front-end money makers. Yeah. They're essentially just, like, ATMs. So do you think, you know, some of the, like, we see it in the space is that someone hits the scene, got a new coaching product. Um, in reality, they're just teaching sales and marketing. They they blow up. They're selling like crazy. They don't actually know how to grow a business beyond selling the shit out of the product that they have. They sell the shit out of their own product, then can't deliver on it. And that's why you see these sort of the huge growth and then disappear. Yeah. And, and do you think a few of them probably are like, oh, that's fine because I made, you know, a few million dollars in that growth. I've destroyed my name and reputation. 
for but now. Yeah, I'll be back in five years. Everyone's only got two-year memory anyway. It's like the army. You just get posted out, come back, you're a war hero. <laughs> Everyone knows you're hiding under your car. Yeah, but um, everybody forgets, so you blow up, take that money, disappear, and then just restart again. Or don't come back and, you know, be happy, fat and happy. Or just, like, you know, sell your business to some chump mm-hmm. and then pretend to be a fucking mindset coach. Okay. You know, that's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's the mindset coach is what I always think of whenever whenever I'm talking about like a couple of people are teaching this stuff is the mindset people who like observably have never done anything hard. And it's yeah. it's like, I don't understand. I haven't met many life coaches that have a, a life that, in which I want to emulate. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's totally. Yeah. So, I, But I think people put the wrong emphasis on that anyway. What do you mean? Well, like I did that, we did that video the other day. It's yeah. Like, I just don't. And like the, the, the it's funny, right? Because it's such a circular argument. It's like, well, you only think that mindset doesn't play an issue because you have a rock solid mindset. Uh-huh. It's like, all right, cool, man. Or just like, just do my thing. Yeah. Like I, like I don't see why it raining would affect me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so people can go, oh, that's a great mindset, but it's just like, well, or is it just having a clear target and then just going like, okay, this makes sense that I would do the things required. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a, I have an understanding of where I want to be, and I have game the steps that will get me there and I'm yeah. just ticking those off one at a time as I climb the yeah. stairs. Like and I, and I get that like people have different tolerances mm. but I don't think that's mindset. I think it's a tolerance. Okay. You know, like people will tolerate different levels of uncomfort of discomfort and pain to achieve what they want. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's more from like maybe they've thought more deeply about what they want or they're just built that way. Yeah. You know, like I know that I'm willing to do way worse things than most people to get what I want. Mm -hmm. Like, but that's not a mindset thing. It's like, I was born that way. Mm. But I think it's worth exploring a little bit on the mindset thing, right? Because, you know, in the video we made, we we can link it here. Um, Yeah, right there. Uh, You talked about people who haven't done anything hard and and meditating and aligning your chakras and all that kind of stuff. And I think for some people, that maybe is super important to have the right mindset for certain things. But for others, it's absolutely not. And I think... Uh, that's one of the things that mindset people don't get it. Yeah. Well, this is what's crazy about it, right? Like I see a lot of these coaches talking about mindset and that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I have friends that are clinical psychs that will tell you about like how the mindset is relevant to the person and the tasks that they're going to achieve. And I'll bet you're the same. Like I'm actually at rest. I'm quite uncomfortable. Like to me, and this is an exaggeration, but to me, everything is shaking and uncomfortable to be in all the time. But when things go to high stress and I'm talking like life or death, high stress, everything just levels out. And I've never been more comfortable in my whole life as when things are high stress. And I didn't understand that. It took me a long time to get that. I used to think that I was a procrastinator, you know, like I was the kid that did my homework or like, like, you know, the six week project they give you and you're doing it on the bus on the way to school. Five (laughs) weeks and six days to get that bitch done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm writing it on the bus on the way to school. And I thought I was a piece of shit. Getting a B plus, no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you think you're a piece of shit or you're told you're a piece of shit because you left it to the last minute. But what I learned about myself as an adult, and it takes you, took me 35 years to understand this, (coughs) is that I will produce a better product under that level of stress than I will just chipping away at it for six weeks. Yeah. And and I've tried the chipping away. It's always garbage. Yeah. And I just redo it at last minute. Exactly. Yeah. So, but but that's not true of everyone. You and I, we've got similar personality. That's the case. But then when I see people talk, yeah, how do you say? But when I see people like, oh, this is the way to do it and this is the right mindset, it's like, hang on, the right mindset for who? And what personality type? And what training do you have but that's to identify? Youth. Yeah, exactly. That's and why I can experience. see her because he's young. Yeah, right. 
you know? Like, he's a really smart dude. Yeah. And I'll probably meet him at ClickFunnels, you know what I mean? But, like, I can see his youth. Okay. And I can see his lack of having children. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, he talks in definitives mm-hmm. a lot of the time. This is Now, that may just be for content. This is the way you should do it. This is the way you should think about it. It's just not how it is. Okay. And, like, the older that I get, and I'm only 38, and like I'm old shit or anything like that, but the older I get, I've had a relatively experienced life. Mm-hmm. I've lived in many countries. I've you know, done lots of things. I've had businesses that have worked and ones that have failed and all that kind of stuff in different industries. And so, like, I kind of have the benefit of, like, experience. And I can see it's, like, it's just not how... You, there's like every box is different mm. and you have to treat every box as different. And that's one of the reasons why I was good at sales, I think is because like I didn't come in with a set of assumptions about a person, you know? So it's just kind of like, look at the situation then look at all the variables. And then from there you make a decision. And yes, you use your past references as like a, as a, as a key point, but you have to, you know, like how I deal with a news, how I deal with is going to be different than how I deal with another, like, you know, he's coming on. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I spoke cool. to him the other day, right? And it's like, he's going to come on. He's a very different beast. Yeah, yeah. He's a 38-year-old former Special Forces sniper who yeah. wants, he's going to come in and be a beast sales guy. He's going to require very different sets of motivation and very different management techniques and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, like, it's just a different human. Yeah. So for me, going like, this is how you get the most out of a sales team. That's not the case. Yeah. It is in that particular case, but not in every case. Yeah, exactly. And that's lessons learned from having done it, man. Like, you know, I've been at a, when we're in the army, I've been an assault team commander yeah. and I've been a sniper team leader or the sniper platoon sergeant. They're different things. Different you, human beings, You man. cannot treat them as the same. Yeah. Assaulters, like, we're a clique, we're a team, we don't do anything without each other. Snipers so like, don't tell me what to do. I'll be over there, you'll be over here. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, and if you try and uh, lead or manage those people in the same way, you're this is why you get so much bad leadership because it's like I pick up the template and I put it over here and yeah. everybody does exactly what I expect them to do. It's like, yeah. that's just not how it goes. And so like, I just don't understand how people can do that with like your mindset's incorrect for the sales process. <laughs> it's like, what is my mindset? Yeah. Like you tell me about it. Like what you uh, unpack me right here. But if you're going to tell me what my mindset is right or wrong, tell me all about my mindset. Yeah. I've, I've had that argument with like a mindset dude. Okay. So he was my boss at the time. Yeah. And I had a massive week, like 17 30K sales. Okay. <clears throat> and he goes, that's the new standard. A lot of the time people at the end of a massive week, because their mindset shifts, they have a bad week the next. I go, that's not why it is. And he goes, no, 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 it is. It's like, he goes, that's a poor mindset. I go, no, that's not why. I go, it's just math. Yeah, just the law of averages. I was like, if you have a massive week, I go, let's explore. I was like, you can tell me why you think it's a mindset issue. And it was blah, 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 mindset, mindset, mindset. And I was like, okay, do you want me to tell you what's really fucking going on? If you have a massive week, it's usually a culmination of many activities coming together at once, like unusually. So it's like in this instance, because I tracked my data really fastidiously, I was like, I had the same amount of normal new sales that I always do. Six. Six new sales from the leads that I had at the beginning of this week and the end of last week, which is how I track my sales, triage the sale, right? But I then had like half my pipeline cash in all at once because they all got funding from banks and they all got the shit all at once randomly. And then I had like a bunch of referrals say yes and get me the referral in the same week and they were able to hop on a call in the same week. I was like, so that's how it happened. It has nothing to do with, I didn't put any more effort in. Yeah. I, I just happened to have a series of circumstances that led to a much higher than normal. Now what will happen subsequently is those referrals that I usually get spaced out, I won't get them next week 
Yeah. Because usually, like, my average of two referrals a week, I won't get. And then the follow-ups that I get in an average of one or two a week, I won't get that either because I've cashed them all in. It'll take me three to four weeks to build that pipeline back out. So for the next three weeks, I will have subpar performances. Mm-hmm. However, my new sales from new leads will be the exact same. Mm-hmm. And how do you respond to that? Uh, it's a new normal, bro. It's a mindset thing. So you didn't acknowledge it? No, because it's always mindset. Yeah. Right. So like mindset is the bat in which you can beat everything. Yeah. So like it, it's 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 the drum that sycophants beat nonstop. And like not to say that it isn't important for some people or that. Sure. You know, just for be. me, it plays no fucking role. Yeah. Like my wife could leave me. Something terrible could happen within reason. And I would be able to continually kind of act in the manner of which I need to act to get the results that I need to get. Because like like, for example, like this might be weird. It baffles me. Like when I had people who were signing up to courses and they say, hey, listen, I need to put it off for a few months because I had a family member die. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense to me. Mm. Like if it was your wife or your partner, fine, because there's a lot of logistics and that's obviously terrible. But it's like, hey, like my 87-year-old father died. I, I, can't, I can't do this course. Like what are you talking about? Like now, I'd never say that to them because it seems callous, but that has no bearing. In You're your a da- goddamn pussy, <laughs> but, right? But it has no bearing yeah. in your day to day life. Like, do yeah, you yeah. spend seven? Is your dad your business partner? No. What? What fucking planet are we on? Yeah, like, how yeah. does that? How does that stop the fact that you need to make money mm. and that you need to fix these problems? Like, those problems don't get worse. Don't sorry, don't get better just because like you just forget about them for three months. Like, that mm. doesn't make any sense. Mm. Like, so I don't understand that. It it isn't like, because like if, you know, something happened to one of my parents and I had a business coaching, I'd be like, yes, sweet. I'd probably put off the start of it, you know, until after all that rigmarole is done. But like life has to proceed. Yeah. There's people in the business who rely on me to get things done and there's still goals and outcomes that have to be achieved. Like, yeah, those things are there. Yeah. So it doesn't really make much sense to me. I think like sometimes societally, uh, we drive people's emotions uh, through expectation. So it's like, that's what's expected. You're expected to be a mess for that period of time. And people then impose that upon themselves rather than sort of like acutely dealing with it. And I guess everybody deals with grief differently and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like everybody's different, but, I think that sometimes forgetting about like, your problems for six months doesn't seem like a very good way to do it. Well, it's a great way to make a ton more problems. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that's the difference between that sort of uh, task driven mindset and, and not is that you're like, okay, I need to like, I will have the grief and the whatever that's got to come of this. I will have it, but I'll have it in the, I'll schedule it <laughs> in these windows because life has to continue. Like I have to continue. Otherwise I just make myself, I backlog more things. I make things yeah. harder for myself. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm guilty of it with emails, right? Like once I've got 10 unread emails in, in my like folder of things I need to read, it becomes a hundred really quick. Yeah, I'm like, Oh this. God, it's too hard to go. <laughs> it's, it's really important. Email again. It's too hard. I can't, I can't face it. So it's like, no, I need to stay on top of that. And then imagine like you're, you're building your business, you're doing whatever. And you're just like, no, nah, I'm going to ignore that for a period while I grieve or deal with, you know, <laughs> mindset over here you're gonna need to come back with a fucking strong mindset because that problems are compounding while you're not paying attention to them yeah you want to hit it pretty hard yeah yeah so like i think like you know mindsets obviously think for some people and some people need that like they need a process that they can get themselves into the correct state and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's not like I don't believe in self-sabotage because, like, I've seen it firsthand. Like, I've yeah, seen yeah. people. Like, for example, like, I remember I used to have a personal training client. She was a lovely person. And her dad was the janitor of a private school, mm-hmm. right? And um, she, like, was telling me how she's like, I can't believe people buy Range Rovers. I can't believe it. I was like, why not? She's like, just it's a waste of money. You know what I mean? I was like, why? She's like, you just don't need a car that big. Or if you can, you can get a minivan for half the price. I was like, yeah, but they like them. Yeah. And they can afford it. I was like, who gives a fuck? She was like, nah, it's just a waste of money. I go, whose money? <laughs> I was like, their money? Do you rather them keep it? Should they keep it and just hoard it? Yeah. No. I was like, so should they get it out there? Yeah. So should they buy like just a ton of shitty cars? I don't understand. <laughs> right? And it was because like her dad obviously would complain about these rich people in their, in their Range Rovers. Yeah. And so she then associated like success with negativity. Mm. And the chance of that person like achieving financial success in my opinion is low because like they don't want it. Yeah. Like they have negative connotations with it. Yeah. If you've othered financially successful people, you can't join them. But is that mindset or is that, is that just like, is that the broadest stroke that you could possibly put on it is like that person has a poor mindset or is it like, have they got some deep seated psychological issues that their parents haven't planted in them? Exactly. But it can be unraveled. Yeah. Like with specific activities. Yeah. I mean, but so, not just saying yeah, you've got mindset. the wrong mindset. Yeah. It, it's it's just a bat that I... I don't know why. I just... I've always taken such offense to that term as like this ubiquitous thing where if you have a, if you have a good mindset, then you're fine. Mm. It's like, well, if you have a phenomenal mindset and you're shit at everything, I just don't reckon you do that. Oh. Yeah. Like, but if you're really, really good at stuff and you have a bad mindset, you probably be okay. Yeah. Like, if you're really good at stuff, like if you're just a phenomenal basketball player... But you're just a shit mindset. Still, be a pretty great basketball player, right? Yeah, like <laughs> I would think. I think you know to play devil's advocate. Certainly, emotions drive behavior, like for sure. And so, having the right emotional state will make producing the right behavior easier to attain, right? E- easier to attain um, and to achieve. But I think uh, I don't know. I, I guess the reason I, I wanted to bring it up was because. I get panicky when, say, my own clients who are, I'm teaching dog training stuff want to start talking to me about, like, their own emotional state and stuff like that. And I'm like, we're going to hit a ceiling of what I can help you with very quickly because exactly as you said then, like, you probably have some sort of, like, deep-seated emotional problem that's blocking this kind of stuff and I ain't the guy to uncover that shit. And, like, I have no training in that. I yeah. have no – I have. I don't know. Like, I can help you tear that Band-Aid off, but if there's a goddamn festering wound under there, I'm now – I've, like yeah. – I've uncovered it for you, and there it is in the open. And yeah. I, I've I don't usually name names, but I will in this instance because I've fucking had it out with this dude. Go for it. Um, so I did a I did a business coaching program years ago with a guy called <laughs> Sparks, and I had a fucking – we had a massive back and forth. Like, I uh, fucking fed it to this dude. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, he was – like – unlocking emotional doors without the capacity to bring the person back in my opinion. Yeah. And so he was doing things that I was like, this is inappropriate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like in my opinion, someone with a dominating personality who can ask questions can unlock, can really, and if in the right environment where people are kind of really open and like looking for stuff like that. And if you set things up correctly and I saw it all happening and I was like, I see what's happening here. Mm. Um, but it, it's like, if you can't, like if you don't have the training or like the I guess maybe the empathy or something to then help them close that loop, like you're doing some fucking serious damage. Yeah. And with like impressionable twenty three year olds, like it's a real fucking problem. And yeah. so that was probably like what started my kind of like this stuff is stupid. Yeah. 
because I, I saw it happening and I was like, all these people, like they run around, they be a business coach. And then the easiest way to be a shitty business coach is to, is to incorporate lots of mindset. And the reason being is because whenever someone doesn't get a result, you just blame their mindset. So, and this is what happens in the industry all the time. It's like, no, 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 our training is incredible. You just have a bad mindset. Mm -hmm. And then like maybe they, they keep going and they keep learning and they keep doing the process and all of a sudden things start falling into place because they're doing the right activities and then they get a win and all of a sudden goes, yes, yeah, it's because I fixed your mindset. Right. You know, and so, and then like, so the, the coach can never lose mm -hmm. because someone's like, hey, I want to refund. This course isn't good. Oh, you just have a shitty mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's like it, it, it negates any need for like genuine introspection of the quality of their service because they write everybody off who isn't happy as having a shitty mindset, mm -hmm. you know? And But that's probably less insidious than what you were talking about before. Like just saying you're not doing well at this because you have a shitty mindset, not because I'm terrible at teaching it. Yeah. That's, that's bad. But like picking away at somebody's deep-seated emotional problems without the capacity to actually fix them. I saw someone leave their fiancé. <laughs> On that course. Yeah. Ugh. I was like, you sure, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a chat. I was like, are you sure, bro? He's like, I got to do it. She's holding me back. Is she? Is she really? Yeah. You want well, a gym? Well, maybe she's grounded. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. And like, maybe it was a shitty relationship and that was, you know, a push that he needed, but it, it probably, it was very quick. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> An hour group chat. Fuck this bitch. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's crazy that people put that level of um, uh, risk onto some coach on the internet. Yeah, like it's, but like the guru effect is powerful, you know? Mm. Like we had to, like, you know, like, uh, like he got people to work for him for free. Yeah. You know, like just for the pleasure of it. Yeah. You know, and I've seen it tons of times, like. Um, I think like a lot of them run like unpaid internships. Yeah. You know, it's because if you're a guru, you can do that. Yeah. You know, so like we've had to like, not that I'm any fucking guru of note, but like we, we have enough of a following to where like we could do that. Mm -hmm. We could, uh, we could easily get 20 or 30 people every couple of months to come and do shit jobs for free mm. like that. And like, we don't do that because it just doesn't seem right. Um, if we do put someone on like a 30 day unpaid trial, it's like a specific period of time to do a job to see if they're effective enough and they need training throughout that process. So the costs kind of offset each other, but it's for like a finite, Hey, 30 days come in. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out if, the, if like, if this can work, but you'll make money if you make money, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like a comms only position. Um, but it's, it's just such a, with the way the industry's kind of gurued itself, it's very easy. And like with the whole click funnels effect and, all that kind of stuff. You go up there and it's like, you know, you get these two comma and two CCX and 25 mil and 100 mil awards. And like, you become like, um, fucking edified. Yeah. That you are the fucking dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that, that apex gets smaller and smaller as, as you kind of ascend through those ranks. Yeah. And then like everybody, cause like I, I couldn't go last year. Um, and Jeremy went and accepted our award for us for the 10 mil award. And like, I was in the online room. And it was fascinating watching the chat. And it was like, I commit here and now to being on that stage next year. Stuff like that, right? And I was like, this is really interesting. Wow. Because like most of the people who are on stage, their clients are the people that are in the online room. Mm -hmm. And most of the clients of the people who are in the online room are actual consumers. 
right? So like Jeremy in seventh level, like we're one of the only people who win those awards who don't, who go direct to consumer. Right. Most of them, like, you know, you look at like the big fitness coaches, they're fitness business coaches. Mm-hmm. You look at the big like marketing guys, they're marketing coaches, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so it's like, there's not that many people in the high level awards in the seven figure awards, there are tons of them, but like in the eight and like nearly nine figure awards, there's like almost nobody that's direct to consumer. Right. Right. So like it's a, and I think because I'm a bit older and I like, you know, a bit more jaded been to war and kind of seen scams along the way. Not that ClickFunnels is a scam because it's not like, it's just a great software that has an award program. It's fucking genius. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you can kind of see like, that award, you can see what it's produced, and it's produced like a godlike spotlight mm-hmm. on certain individuals that then like have this enormous sway in this industry, and anything that they want, they could get, mm. you know, like from those group of people. And it, but it's just so interesting to kind of see it. There's a few industries I know mm-hmm. of that do unpaid internship, apprenticeships, that kind of stuff. You know. Um, Jane's tattoo artist, that was the same for a long time. Yeah. Fitness um, does it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But in some instances, I, I absolutely don't support it. I think that you should pay people, you know, um, dog training's a big one. Like you can get people to pick up dog shit for a long time for free if you're a good dog trainer. And well, there's plenty of them around the Toronto Zoo. Yeah, exactly. Right. Same deal. It's years of, of two to three years of volunteering before you're offered yeah. a job for $14 an hour. Yeah. And a friend of mine is a, a zookeeper there. Yeah, yeah. And, and he told me, he's like, yeah, I can't, like, I was asking him about how you get jobs there and stuff. And he was like, yeah, I can get you in to the volunteer program. It's like that, like that's the in I can get you. I can't get you a job. There's no, there's no one. Sammy that can did it. Do that. Sammy did the volunteer program. Yeah. But like there's a she wait list like, the fuck is to this? get into the volunteer yeah. program. You have to know someone to even get into volunteer. You know the other way to get in? You buy their zoology course. There you go. Right. And then you automatically have to volunteer. <laughs> Compulsory volunteer. Yep. Yeah. But so in certain industries, like even in that, in a lot of the animal training, I get it because, um, you know, you're, you're a problem for a long time. You cost a lot of money for a long yeah. time. And same as tattooing, like you don't, you don't offer anything for a very long time. And so you're yeah. there, you, you're setting up, cleaning up that kind of stuff in order to be taught. I get it in some industries. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea, but I understand. But I think in like the business space, say you've got like people volunteering their time to if you're the person that's going to volunteer like if you think of yourself in that way you're never going to be the person that has volunteers for you like if you if you have if you frame yourself in that way in that industry because i totally get it in like i've had people offer to work for me you know like shadow program kind of stuff even pay to come and and hang out and i get that because they would be you know like it would be for a period to then be out god rest his soul yeah Um, r.i.p r.i.p yeah he used to charge 5k for a 12-week internship mm-hmm. so you'd come in and you just like you just be the gym picker upper in his gym in his institute in uh, rhode island i think it was mm-hmm. uh for 12 weeks yeah you just absorb the info yeah in dog training that would be considered yeah. extremely cheap like yeah that, right yeah like so like i could easily charge 5k for people to hang out with me for two weeks easily here yeah <laughs> oh here no it's, it's i'll just i'll be back in eight hours yeah <laughs> no because then that's standard in the industry that's very yeah, right. normal that because that's like that's just the way people do it and good, good or bad. Otherwise that's how it is. But I think that if you're volunteering your time in this kind of space, 
you have the wrong mindset to be able to be the person that is the champion that people want to volunteer towards, right? Like that's just not how it's going to go. And people, especially yeah. like, you know, um, who are, you know, when you get a boss that really picks on and treats their employees <coughs> terribly and that's just the path, right? Like that's just how it goes. Like you build your way up through the ranks so that you can pick on and treat people terribly. It's great. It's like selecting people out who are, who are suitable. It's like yeah. making sure that the right people never get the job. Yeah, that's I never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. It, yeah, the the guru effect. It's a weird one, man. Like you just see people, um, and it's a really small industry. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 obviously growing, getting bigger and bigger. But it's it's very interesting to see. Like I can just obviously see the youth of the industry shaping shaping it. You know, and it's like the the shortcuts that are being made, and um, that's one of the reasons why. Like we're we operate, we're so scrutinizing and like so invasive with the questions that we ask when someone comes on. It must be unpleasant, mm-hmm. to be honest, to come in and like have us like, because I ask questions like borderline maliciously, mm-hmm. you know, like when I come in and it's like, okay, um, you know, I like I had a guy wanted like to do a kind of a partnership with us the other day and I was like, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, but I kind of started asking questions and it's like, you know, if you've been a coach for years and you don't have a P&L, it's like you don't have a business. So now it's like, okay, I get it. You want me to do a partnership with you. Like I'm more than happy to, but I got to settle that up. Yeah. Because I can't be involved in a business that is ultimately not set up correctly to be a real business. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be something that is sellable. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's not sellable, then it's not an asset. If it's not an asset, then what the fuck is it? It's a liability. It's just, you know. It's a job. Yeah. Like I had a guy who wanted me to buy his coaching business a while ago. And they wanted like 700K for it. Um, and I went through and I said, I will take it over for free. <laughs> that is the most you will get out of me. And they were really offended. And I was like, you want to understand why? I was like, well, like, and I went through their numbers. Yeah. And I was like, you know, you have, let's just say 100 clients and they're paying $2,500 a month, right? <clears throat> I was like, but 25 of those are paid in full. So those 25 people are liabilities. Like, I don't even want them. You can keep them. Mm-hmm. You fucking throw them away. I don't want those people. So now we're down to 75. And I was like, 11 of those are on contract. And the other ones are all off contract. So your contract terms state that um, you only have to pay out 50% if you want to leave. Mm-hmm. Which none of them will do, but that's fine. We'll go off the contract term. So those 11 that are on contract, is not a 30K, it's 15K. Mm-hmm. Right? And everybody else that's off contract, I'm only going to count for one month. Because mm-hmm. they could leave the moment. They, they could leave at any stage. Um, and with the transition of figureheads, it's not unlikely that a few of them leave. So I was like, so all those people are worth this much. So I was like, and then I, I was like, you know, given all the other assets and all the other kind of stuff and all the fuck around that we're going to have to do to set this thing up the way that we just set it up, this is just zero money in this for me. So like, I'll take it over for free. Mm-hmm. You know? And they got super angry. And they sold it for like 300 Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I guess not too many people fully understand that stuff the way you do, though, right? Like that. But I didn't like, and I get, I get why because yeah. they didn't give a shit about it. Like most people don't give a shit about it. So, like, especially in the US, like they think they just think that, like, you know, and in the coaching space, people are like, "No, I just run a two hundred k month business. It's just a little side hustle. <laughs> Fuck a lot of money, bro. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know. And then you get guys running five hundred k month businesses, and like they just got a bank account, yeah, in their personal name. It's madness. That's it. And, like, they don't know how much they pay people. They don't have a bookkeeper. 
They don't put aside for tax. They don't realize that like the laws just change in the U.S. and that you're probably going to have to pay state tax uh, everywhere the button is clicked. Wow. So if you sell somebody in New York, you need to file your state taxes in New York. If you sell someone in Massachusetts, you got to file sales tax in Massachusetts for that sale. Jesus, that's going to that's a huge administrative burden, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, it changed about six months ago. It came in for software companies, but it is being rolled out. So like the moment that changed, and we don't even know if we technically have to do it, but we changed everything. So now we track all of our sales tax um, for every state and we have it in our books. And then all we have to do is a ledger note to retrospectively change that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it comes back from our tax attorneys that no, we're not actually because of the way our program works. Cause like technically speaking, an online coaching company can be considered a SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's just a software, mm-hmm. like it's your portal. Yeah. You're not providing anything physical and you're providing a service. Mm-hmm. It's a software as a service. You're a SaaS company, mm-hmm. you know? So like the technical definition, most coaching companies would fall within, especially if they're only selling a portal, you know, like Grace Lever model and stuff like that, where they have like 5,000 people who are paying them 50 bucks a month, mm-hmm. you know? Would that, would you get around that by providing something physical, like a workbook or something like that? Well, like, um, it really depends. Like everyone's businesses are a little bit different in how you set them up, but like you have to get your tax attorneys to, to run yeah. the, to do like the white paper, right. To say why you wouldn't have to. And then from there, like make sure the classification with the IRS is all set up correctly. And then you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. But like the chances of like them doing that is pretty low. And then it's like, they just have like a lazy accountant who misclassifies them. And all of a sudden they go, Hey, New York's knocking on your door for two years of back sales tax. And all of a sudden you got to spend $400,000 just figuring out who bought where, mm-hmm. you know? So there's like, there's lots of things like, and especially like the U S is like a complicated tax landscape far more than Australia. Yeah. Like with the sure. C corps and the S corps and the LLCs. And like, they're just all, they're all act so differently. And, like, there are advantages and disadvantages to all of them. And, like, you have to understand how those interplays work. And if you're running international business, like, you have to have an understanding of how the, like, if you're selling people in the UK, like, technically, you might have a tax burden in the UK. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we're at the moment at Sales Sniper, like, we're, we have a very, very big white paper being done on our tax burdens in the US because... Like, we have such a high income percentage in the U.S. So, like, we will probably have to create look-alike U.S. subsidiaries that follow their own state taxes, mm-hmm. right? Like, not a lot of state taxes, but we won't have to do state taxes for, like, the things that we sell. But, like, when our clients pay us, like, if our client is based in New York, we have to pay New York sales tax on that. Mm-hmm. And then we bring it in, and we'll get a credit in Australia for that. Yeah, yeah. Right? But again, you've got to set that up because the tax treaties between all the countries are different. Yeah. Right? And the tax treaties for fucking dividends and distributions are different. The tax treaties for wages and W-2s and W-8s and like 1099s and all that kind of stuff, like they're all different. So this is the shit. This is the minutiae that when someone's like, I'm a business coach. I'm a business coach, bitch. I can get you a ton of sales. Here's a ton of money. Good luck putting that in the right place. That's what's missing. And it's what I hate. I just wish... They wouldn't call themselves that. They should just call themselves sales and marketing coaches. Okay. And it's like, but if you are going to be a business coach, like at least have an element on finance. Do Who do you know that has a good course? Can we plug anyone? Keith Cunningham. Yeah. I would say is a pretty legit business business guy. Okay. Um, we just did a free portal. 
Okay. I think uh, where I go over like the basics of like net versus profit and all that kind of stuff. So we can link that down below, like that new media portal. Oh, yeah. I have a whole section on like finance and business basics and like. Um, That's the ROAS one? Yeah. 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 So that, that portal's all done. So we can link that down below. For sure. Um, but yeah, it's just a real fucking problem. Like the amount of business owners doing multiple seven figures a year that have absolutely no idea. Mm. on how to run a business is incredible. Mm. Like some of them are like marketing savants. Like they just fucking know how to make money, but they don't know how to fucking like put the structures in. And what that's unfair to, it's unfair to the sales guys. It's unfair to their staff. It's unfair to the people around them. Like, well, they can just siphon money off into a fucking, you know, they can set up a Puerto Rican company and siphon money there and live tax free, whatever. Mm. Like you can do that. Um, but it's like, it's the other people. Cause one day it's just going to be like, Hey bitches, I'm out. Yeah. It's all going to collapse at some point. Yeah, and it, it's just like, at what stage do you start playing catch-up? Like, we had a guy come to us a while ago, and he was doing like 350K or 200, whatever he was. Young guy, like 21 years old, had $2 million sitting in his TransferWise account. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's fucking crazy, bro. He's like, why? I was like, well, like, they can just take that money. I was like, you ever read the terms and conditions of WISE? He's like, no. And I was like, and you have $2 million in there? I was like, interesting. <laughs> um... Anyway, I go, why haven't you taken it out? He's like, I don't want to pay tax on it. I go, you think the government <laughs> can't see your WISE account? I go, like, you know, like the anti-money laundering thing that you had to fill out? Like, yeah, bro, that linked all your global taxes to it. Like, they can see it. It's yeah. there. It's clear as day. Yeah. It's like thinking they can't see your crypto. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like wearing your underpants on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can see no it. No one will see it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I told him, I was like, man, you got a great little thing going. I was like, but like, you'll never... You'll never go over three fifty a month. Like you're you're capped there, because mm-hmm. like I go, what will happen is like, <coughs> it's it's just the infrastructure limit of your business, and so I said like, what will happen is you'll have a month at four hundred, and then a month at two fifty, and then you'll creep back up to three fifty, have a month at four hundred, drop back down to three two fifty, right? Like that's the cycle that you'll be in, because like you just can't do four hundred, right? Like if you do that, you break shit. And yeah, why? Like what what breaks his delivery? There's just too much burden. On the right. business, there's too many people. Like, whenever I used to run gyms, like, I never had a gym at more than 80% capacity. You ever been in a full gym? Yeah, it's disaster. Ugh, it's gross, yeah. right? Yeah. So what happens when your gym gets full? You stop going. Yeah. When you stop going, you stop paying. Mm-hmm. So you bring your gym up to 100%, and then it fucking slams down to 60. Mm-hmm. And then you bring it to 100%, and it slams down to 60. Mm-hmm. Or you can just keep it at 80. Right. You know? Like... Keep it at 80 and expand the gym floor. Like, make it bigger or make it more efficient or, like, you know. So, I used to work off, like, dollar per square per square meter. Right. So, I would try and m- maximize per square meter, and we do that through layouts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, like, grabbing more space or whatever. But, like, if you run it at 100%, like, if you redline your business, like, you're just going to, the engine will blow up, mm-hmm. you know. And the, the funny thing is, like, some of these guys have such good front ends. Like, at seventh level, I could make that business $5 million a month. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. Me and Marco would be like, yeah, yeah, we could. That's a $5 million a month business in six months. Like, we could ramp the bejesus out of it. Mm-hmm. And we have not. It's doing 1.2. I'm like, hey, guys, like, it's not growing. Like, I'm. That's I'm, the limit. I'm putting the cap on this for now. Yeah. So, we, what would break if you went to $5 million? What The delivery would break. And that's because at seventh level, people want Jeremy. That. Well, it's, it's not even that. It, it, it's it's that, like, because they'll fucking, they'll, they'll want what we tell them they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, like, um, I used to sell 
people are like, oh, I want to want a Jeremy, and they end up going, oh man, I'm so glad it's group. You know, like people just fucking get what they're given. Yeah, yeah. But it's more like the onboarding of an individual. Like we want a good quality onboarding, right? right? So if you don't have that, like there's systems and people and process that has to happen with that. And if we start onboarding a thousand new clients a month, <sighs> bro. So that can't be like That's totally people. automated. That, that happens all by itself, right? It, you can, you can automate a lot of it, but like we want to have a high level of service. So we we have a less than one percent refund rate. Right. Okay. That's what I said at seventh level with a million one point two in like cash a month. I think we sign up a couple of hundred new clients with a point six percent refund rate. Nice. Which is incredibly low. Yeah. Like most coaches have like a, you know, 10%, like yeah, 10% refund rate, a 20% refund rate. Right. right. And that's because like, we've grown it very, very like to, to like the, to the behest of Jeremy. Like he's like, oh, are we growing faster? And I sat him down and I said, all right, man, I will ramp the fuck out of this thing. I was like, you want to be at $3 million a month by the end of the year? He's like, fuck yeah. I was like, you get paid nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to him, I said, you get paid nothing. I go, I'll, I'll take nothing. Marco takes nothing. You take nothing until December. And I will have this at $3 million a month. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, it doesn't, that doesn't sound great. So how would that have helped? Why would that have Because helped? I could take all that cash and I'll just dump it into people. Right. People, people, Your people, staff. people. Yeah, just tons and tons of stuff, right? And I was like, but like, the, I was like, that's the reality. If you want to grow that quick, like we can't grow that quick with profit. Mm-hmm. That's why like uh, every fast growing company, like 90% of fast growing companies, they don't, boot, they don't bootstrap. Mm. They borrow tons of money. Yeah. Like, you know, we just started working with an, I just signed an NDA, so I can't say the name, but a very large company. They're doing like $220 million a year. We're revamping their entire sales. Right. Like all of it. And uh, they bought 802 million. Right. Right. Like one of the fastest growing companies in the world. Well, yeah, no shit. Like give me 102 million. I'll grow the fuck out of some <laughs> shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like we've bootstrapped the whole thing. And so it's like, <clears throat> I sat him down and I said, listen, I have three options for you. And this is, this is, we have a great relationship. I said, listen, this is the, I pay everyone a ton of money, but we grow fairly slow. We'll probably be at a million dollars a month by the end of the year. This is like an earlier on in the year. And he goes, eh. And I go, okay, cool. Well, there's this option over here where we get paid nothing, but I ramp the fuck out of it. You want to do that? He's like, nah. And I was like, well, how about we just do a hybrid? How about I grow it at this rate and I pay you this much? He was mm-hmm. like, happy with that. I was mm-hmm. like, sweet, man. Like, Let's not chat about money for the next six to 12 months then. Yeah. Because that's a good amount of cash and everyone can be happy. But like, then I have enough in the kitty to be able to keep growing it because like, I need that money. I need that capital reinvestment constantly. Like, so because that business makes good money and has a decent enough profit margin, like I'm able to then take that reinvest, take that reinvest. So like, I've got a CFO now, we're hiring a new finance manager, just hired a GM, about to hire a head of delivery. We just hired more coaches, put on more one-on-one guys. Um, like we just restructured all the accounts, brought on another bike. Um, what do we do? We got some more software. We put in some more tracking. We're having another operational build out to add on to some things. Um, bringing on like another high level executive. Uh, like there's tons of stuff that we're doing at the moment. We brought on an office this year. You know, because that's going to have requirements for later on as we build out our our outbound departments, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's so much things that need to happen in order to like scale that business because that business will destroy all sales training businesses. Yeah, like they don't even know. Yeah, they have no idea. Like if you're a sales trainer out there and you think you're doing okay at the moment, like I crush you in, in ten minutes, <laughs> right? Like that. Like good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> like we we have that on lock. Like we will 
decimate everybody. Okay. And we are doing very well. And we are like signing up a lot of clients. Like me and Marco are like, how's anybody else getting any clients? Like we're signing up hundreds, hundreds of people a month. We just raised the sales team from seven to 15, mm-hmm. right? Because we had 8,000 uncalled leads, right? Wow. Uh, yeah. Like we're just like, we're fucking, I'm like getting into the sales manager. He's like, bro, I got no one. It's like, look at everyone's diary. Stacked 10 hours a day. I'm like, fuck, yeah, you're right. You know, so let's get more people, 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 people. Yeah. So, like, there's just that, like, there's the requirement. I think, like, people try and, these coaches, like, they try and run a business like a 70% profit margin. Mm-hmm. And, like, it, like I've had people come to me and, like, brag they're doing half a million a month at 70%. And I'm like, not for long. Bro, what are you, what are you not doing? Mm. Who are you not paying? Mm-hmm. Or who are you paying shit? You know, like, that's, that's not, that's not right. Like, there's no model where you should be able to make that much, like, profit. Yeah. Unless you've, like, nailed fucking, uh, like, a like a subscription. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you've nailed subscription, <coughs> like a SaaS model, you can be super high profit, but there was, like, five years of R&D at a billion-dollar loss. Yeah, You yeah. know, like, that's how those businesses have such big margins, you know? Yeah. So, it's just, like, it's just a fucking, it's just a weird world. But I think because I had all those, like, brick-and-mortar businesses, like, brick-and-mortar businesses are way harder to run. Yeah. Like, there's more on the line. Yeah. You know? There's real things, real physical things that yeah. require money to be paid for, right? And I think because I had, like, really bad business experiences, like, you know, we just bought out a shareholder. That was a really interesting learning experience where I had to very much emotionally take the hat off and, like, properly for the first time, like, negotiate like a psychopath. Mm-hmm. like sit there and go, no, fuck you. Like, we're going to play this game. Mm-hmm. And just full dead inside people. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I've had to do that. Super interesting. But also like all the legalities that we had to go through probably cost us maybe $200,000. Yeah. I would say to figure out how to structure that deal correctly so that we could like do the things we wanted to do. Yeah. Then bringing on like Kim and having like the CEO of Smirnoff and CMO of Al Demek and this guy with this huge corporate uh um, kind of guide us in that direction. But then also knowing that he has a motive. Yeah, of course. You know, so it's like when I have conversations, great dude, like nothing, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. oh, okay, like I have to understand there's a motive to this too. Yeah, there has to be something in it for him. Yeah, so it's like, all right, cool. Like I get that, I understand it. So now I'm able to kind of like filter all this information and then having the accountants and then having lawyers and having these people and consultants come in. And it's like now I feel like, um, and then like being fucked over in two previous businesses, right? Watching my dad get fucked over in a previous business once where his business partner literally drained all the accounts and fucking ran away, mm. you know, with a second family, fucking great dude. Right. Um, like having watched all those series of events and then like kind of seen what led to them and like having had the experiences I've had in my own businesses, like now I'm in a spot where I think I'm just like, Oh, it's very difficult to fuck me over. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can see the angles probably a little bit more jaded than what i used to be um but i've had a lot of interesting experiences in business that have led me to like i can't put myself in a position where i don't have leverage or the leverage isn't equal yeah you know but i think uh you know i I don't think you're jaded like from what i see anyway i think that you're just cleverer like you're plugging holes before they become holes um 
I, I wouldn't call that jaded. I think it like jaded is when you no longer do the deals because you could lose in the deal. Yeah. I think now you're just better at doing the deals because you've 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 gone down that plug hole a few times, so you can know know yeah. where it is and how to plug it. Yeah. Like, and I wrote up this partnership deal the other day. Like, I ended up having a big hefty upfront fee, and I was like, I'm not gonna like that at all. <laughs> I was like, like I won't do it without it because I was like, that is what it will cost me to set this up for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I already make a bunch of money. You know what I mean? So it's like, this is just more money for me. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, that more money takes away resource. And I only, I have like, I, resource is more important than cash because like the resource is what I use to make the cash. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if I'm going to take away resources, I have to, I have to fill that up with money so I could potentially create more resource. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I just... Go, okay, I'll cop that. I used to always do it, but like, I'll cop that to set it up for the greater deal, not thinking that like it's going to take me six months to recoup that cost, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I won't do that anymore. So I'll structure the deals in a way that like, at the very least, I break even, mm-hmm. like on, on the very front. If not, like I should be positive. So when's your coaching course? <laughs> <laughs> like, because there's no yeah. one in your space. There's nobody that like has... Has your skill set? Oh, but there are. But has the capacity to make the course? Yeah. I mean, we thought about doing like a, like a, not a war room, but like something for clients. Yeah. Because like, I feel like what you do to, you know, it's for a little bit. Crazy. Is you, <laughs> you, you bridge the gap between the like uh, real proper went to university businessman and the like, Hey, Snapadoo coaching and consulting. <laughs> like, I'm gonna build a cool website. Know how to make money out of it. Yeah. And you're very much in both <coughs> those spaces. And and there aren't many people that are both. I think. Like, I'm sure there's plenty. I'm sure you're not the fucking lone ranger. But oh, I don't see them. M- for the most part, people are kind of in one world or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you know having dad be a VC mm-hmm. was a big help. Like you know when I was a kid, dad would like literally make me do business plans. Mm-hmm. It was fucking super annoying time yeah i bet i remember i wanted to like uh i wanted to like i can't remember i wanted to move back to the states right because i got rejected from the army the first time i don't know if i ever told you that mm. i got rejected because i had a shitty knee oh really right because i had knee surgery when i was 16 for a torn acl they were like oh you can't parachute you got metal in your knee mm-hmm. i was like well fuck life i guess i'll just go back to miami right mm-hmm. so anyway i kind of like was like oh you know, i'll give it another try right and i got all of my sports coaches to do like video and written testimonials for me saying what an incredible fucking athlete I was mm-hmm. post surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, Oh yeah, that works. And they let me in. Right. right. But there was a time there where there was like six months where it was like, I was in limbo land waiting to hear back if I was going to be accepted into the military. Um, and then they call me and they're like, Hey, you leave in a day. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> typical. It was a very interesting start. Um, but, uh, Oh, but yeah, I was, I was going to go back. Um, I was going to go back to Miami to live, yeah, yeah. right? Because mom and dad still had their house there. Uh, like they hadn't sold it yet. Um, so I was like, I'll go back and live there. He's like, how are you going to like eat, bro? I was like, well, you know. Yeah, you know. You'll pay, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. You'll, you'll set me up yeah, a little yeah, bank yeah. account. I'll go to uni, smoke some weed, bags of bitches. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like you gotta do a business plan you gotta do a use case as to why i should like fund a percentage of this because he's gonna have to fund some of it like i couldn't buy my ticket yeah yeah. you know i was 19 he was like you gotta 
you gotta do something. <laughs> so anyway, he did like a, he did a use case and he was like, yep, okay, I accept that. So I ended up coming back right to Miami um, and like living and working for a little bit and then got the call and then fucking flew straight back. Yeah, right. And, and, and joined the army. But yeah, like I remember even when I was working at like a, I was working at a, uh, like an internet cafe back when that was a thing. And he like had me, I was like, this is a super interesting business. These guys are making a ton of money. He's like, are they? I was like, yeah, make a ton of money. People in there all the time, fucking money. Internetting. I was like, he's like, you sure about that? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. He's like, we'll figure it out. So he like told me what to do. And like I went in through and figured out their model. Um, ended up uncovering the fact that they were misclassif- mis- misclassifying their employees. Yeah. And that's one of the things like why I, like, I'm so fastidious about having our employees classified correctly, right. which 90% of people in the coaching industry don't, um, is that they like they're, they're treating people as employees. Like, for example, a W-2 is an employee in the U.S., right? Like, if you if somebody has to be at a place at a time and do a thing in a certain way, and, like, they're using, you know, they're using a company stationery or whatever like that, like, that's an employee, man. Mm-hmm. I don't care where they are. They're an employee. So, like, if they're an employee, there's certain burdens that go along with that. So, like, if you're just paying everyone as a contractor, but, like, they are doing all the things as an employee... That you like that person can then go to the IRS and they can get you to retrospectively pay all the withholdings. Wow. Right? And then you get a big fucking fine. And I know that because I had that happen to that company. <laughs> right? <laughs> that you were popular. Oh, I got that. The firing story is fucking great. Um, so I went in there. Mom was a CFO of a company and I came home with a 1099. She goes, Why the fuck you got a 1099? She goes, Oh, they said, Oh, it's just a form that I fill out. To get my details. She goes, the fuck it is. She's like, that's a contractor <laughs> classification form. They're doing, like, are they not withholding your taxes? Yeah. I go, no, it's great, mom. They're not withholding my taxes. Like, they're doing me the favor, letting me keep it. She goes, sweetie. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 18 or something. She's like, sweetie, that's not a thing. <laughs> I'm killing it. I was like, huh? Anyway, she goes, this is the correct form. She gave it to me. She filled it out. Anyway, she goes, just ask around who else is doing this, right? And tur- turns out there was this, like, 22-year-old manager with a kid, like a newborn, and he was like, yeah, it's so nice. I get to keep my tax. And I had to, like, break it to him. I was like, bro, like, the IRS is going to hit you up for your withholdings at the end of the year because you're classified as a, a contractor, man. Like, you have to. He's like, no, no, no. I was like, bro, you should look into it. <laughs> so anyway, I had everyone fill out a misclassification of employment form, and I submitted it to the IRS. Right? <laughs> you fucking snitch, <laughs> right? Because um, they were a little fucks. There was, like, these seven dudes that owned it. And they owned a bunch of them. Yeah. They owned like four or five of them called E2 Cafe. Yeah. Um, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and so I remember like they called a staff meeting and I wasn't invited. <laughs> and it was to fix this issue because they were fucking trying to cover it up. And one of my one of my mates told me it was a staff meeting. So I came in and they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like basically the size I am now at like 17 or 18. Yeah. And they were these little tiny dudes. Um, and... Uh, I did the whole like half baked. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. <laughs> fuck you. And I said everyone what they're doing, and they were like trying to push me out, and they just like couldn't like that. <laughs> I was just like yelling to the moon like that, and then I got booted out. And they're like, "You never come back." <laughs> I was like, "All right, um, yeah." <laughs> and uh, yeah, they ended up getting shut down. They got like a seven hundred thousand dollar fine at yeah. each of their stores. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. But, like, that's a real thing. And so, like, I take that really seriously. Yeah, yeah. Like, when you have employees, like, you have a burden to them to do things the correct way. Otherwise, like, you've just been shit. Yeah. Like, it's such... And, like, I'm at the le- I'm at the state of the level. I nearly fucking believe my own bullshit. Uh, I'm at the <laughs> stage now where, like, I employ some of my best friends, my family. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, people I've known for years. You, <laughs> uh, you don't fall in any of those categories, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, like you know, so like there's a, and like I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm lucky. I think that everything's going pretty well and it's fairly stable. But like, if I don't have it set up correctly, I'm a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people that will fall when that goes down. Yeah. So like, and at least if it does go down, at least if I did everything properly, like it's not going to be like, oh, that guy fucked us. It's yeah. Like, well, shit. he just fucked up. Yeah, he just yeah, just, he's yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah, shit, shit happens, you know. Um, at least I can hold my head up high and go. Well, at least I did it right. Yeah, you know. And it costs way more to do it right. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Like it really does. Like, like I went through and you know, like the initial way that we set up our agreement at seventh level. Like I've found to come. Like that's not. And I was told by the accountant that set up this is correct. And I go, man, I just don't think it is. And he was like, no, this is correct. This is how it's done. And I came back to him like six months later and I was like, mate, I just don't think this is right. Mm. And he was like, no, this is, this is how it works. This isn't this and this. He was like, you don't have to pay tax. And I was like, I just, I just don't think it's right. So that whole time I put tax away the whole time mm-hmm. and I had a tax account, but it wasn't called tax. It was called Matt's money. Don't touch. Mm-hmm. Right. And no one was to touch that fucking account. And it was for tax. And then I got new accounts and they go, oh, that's completely wrong. Yeah, and I was like, they're like, you're gonna have a tax liability. I was like, sweet, and it was half the amount that I saved. Perfect. So like, I was I was lucky, but it was like I had 700k saved up in tax for two years of tax. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like withholding. I think tax. we did a whole video on that. Yeah, it's probably yeah. no, that's different. I said different, different. Yeah, <laughs> different. Never mind. Fuck back. There's accounts. no video. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although we could put that video here. Why not? Yeah, it's still 700k. Yeah. Um, but like, um, you know, and like, because we had to, we retrospectively filed as a different corporation type. And then from there, we were liable for certain taxes that we weren't previously, like, liable for. But, like, the entity that we had set up was completely inappropriate for the style of business that we were running and partnership that we had and the way that distributions would be paying. Because, like, in the U.S., like, distributions and dividends are taxed differently. Mm -hmm. So, like, a small distinction is a huge difference personally or to the business. Like, dividends are not tax deductible by the business. Distributions are. Okay. Right? So, it's like if you're paying a dividend and it was classified as a dividend... Like, there's millions of dollars that can't be deducted. That's interesting. I think, you know, I think that became really obvious, say, during COVID, right? Like, a lot of businesses uh, were hiding how much money they make because everybody wants to. You pay the minimum tax, right? Yeah. But there's the difference. Of course. And you're fucking crazy if you do anything other than that. But there's paying. I trust the the way that I spend my money. Yeah, you know? but there's paying the the legal amount of minimum tax, and there's paying the like what you can hide. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, like in my own in my personal business, and like just say cafes that I saw around the place. When it came to like, okay, we're shutting you down, but we will pay you what you're missing out on. But we know what you're missing out on because you told us last month. And yeah. so that's nothing. What, yeah. And you told us you didn't make anything last month. So yeah. there it's gone because like, say for me personally, it would be so easy to hide how much money I make. It would be because I make like when I was you know, prior to COVID, I was making all my money in the States and I could easily get people to pay me in cash and bring home a fucking giant pile of cash. That would have been yeah. so easy to do. Be seven but, foot tall, just stepping on a pile of money. <laughs> as you come yeah. home. But I could, I didn't do any of that. I paid all the right taxes on it, did all the right things. And then when they go, Hey, you're not allowed to make money anymore is not all, but some yeah. to, to sweeten the deal. But so many people, especially in the dog training space, because it's, you know, it's a cash sort of industry, right? They just were found fucking like, oh, but nothing for me. And you saw, I saw that in cafes as well. Gyms, another Gyms, big thing. Yeah. And a lot of that was the, again, misclassification of employees because you did not get paid for casuals. You got paid for full-time employees or mm-hmm. part-time employees, mm-hmm. right? So like everybody in the gym industry 
just employs people as contractors or casuals, mm-hmm. right? And everyone in the like hospitality, again, they don't have full time staff, yeah, because they just want to like go, oh, you do a shift, and they want to keep everything as cheap as fucking humanly possible, so they don't actually set up their their employees correctly. And like for a sales sniper during that time, even though we were relatively small, I had everything set up 100% correctly. Even myself, I've always employed myself. The reason why I employ myself is because like in case something like that happens and we got government subsidies, Mm. we had subsidies throughout that whole process because we had an event planned and we had sold it out and then we had to refund everybody. And that big refund was a a large enough loss of revenue to be able to qualify for subsidies, right? And so because I had everyone set up as employees, myself, Marco, uh, we had um, James, and we had a couple other people, like Dan and a few other people, all set up as full-time staff, getting paid their superannuation and their PAYG and all that kind of stuff. Like, we got subsidies. Yeah. And it was super helpful. Like, it allowed us to grow even more aggressively. Yeah. And so it's a huge pain in the ass doing things properly, but in the end, it pays pays dividends. Yeah, and that's why I didn't do recruitment. <laughs> there endeth the episode. <laughs> All right, guys. If this is a, a bit of a ranty, ravey, uh, kind of more businessy episode, but if you like this kind of stuff, let us know what kind of stuff you want to hear below. Uh, I named a few names that might blow us back, but it's all right. I'm bigger than all of them now, so who cares? Um, beep it. Yeah. Um, beep it poorly. <laughs> you know what so I mean? It's like we so tried. We tried. <laughs> Just beep the first name. Yeah. <laughs> Boop, I saw a guy do a Facebook <laughs> post the other day and it was like someone being a fuckwit and he had like done the most cursory attempt at covering their, their details. Yeah. <laughs> it was so you all you had to do was go like that and you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you here when I got called out on that group? No. Oh, you weren't? So I was um one of the setters kind of like went rogue in my account. Oh, you told me yeah, that. Yeah, 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 and they like went into this guy's group and then they like screenshotted it and like put it up and was like, "That's a fuck with <laughs> like that." And like it had my name and everything like that. And I was like, "Ah, whatever." Like I, I didn't care. Um, like I, I get it. They probably should have done that. Like it, what, what was being done was a bit shitty. And I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." Yeah. Um, I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was the 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 thing that everyone said was like, you know, that wasn't him, right? Like, you know. Like that, and then what he ended up doing is like taking it down, re-editing it, so it like just cut off my name. Right, right. Like that, but you could still see the bottom bit of my profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of knew who it was. Like yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. I didn't have a problem with it. I was like, he messaged me. He's like, oh, I gotta do it. I was like, yeah, cool, man. You do you, brother. You gotta do what you gotta like, do. <laughs> so I said, I said, yeah, yeah bro, you do you. I get it. But one day, <laughs> no, we're gonna walk past each other, yeah. and you're gonna know. <laughs> I heard you talk about that. So I, I use it on someone recently. What's that? Uh, said to a guy who, who was being inappropriate as online because he was on the other side of the country and I was like, you know, one day we're going to bump into each other. Yeah. It's a great line. One day. One day. We'll be at the same event. Yeah. What are you going to do there? <laughs> Just you know, leave like, it there. Yeah, Just leave it there. We'll be at the same event. Yeah. You know? There's only one guy that I've told. It was a marketer. I'm like pretty nice and cordial to everybody. There's only one guy that I've like gotten mad at. Yeah. And he was a marketer. He was just such a fuckwit. I was like, you are like it was like the sort of like everything you have said is dumb, <laughs> and everyone has dumber for having heard it. And may God have mercy on your soul. All right, uh, let's film a TikTok about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's All right, it. guys. Thanks. Bye. Goodbye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. Put-